Um, so today we're going to be in Exodus 34.10. So as you guys are opening there, I just want to say how excited I am to be here with you guys. And it's crazy to think it was just last year I was the new girl in the crowd that knew nobody. I think I knew a couple of people. Um, and now I look out and see so many friends. And so I was praying and I just pray that tonight just be such a blessed night for you guys. So Exodus 34.10, you read, Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do in you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that... We have seen you do marvels in our lives, Lord, and so I do pray tonight, Lord, that your spirit fall afresh in all these ladies, Lord, that it would move amongst this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to start off with a story. When we first moved here, I had this vision for our patio. Um, I wanted like the typical Pinterest patio with the string lights and the really cute like outdoor patio set and a rug and a fire pit. And the more I looked online, the more I realized how expensive patio furniture is. Like it's really expensive. Like the nice ones, you're like, I have to sell an organ if I want one of these, right? And so I'm like, okay, let's see if I can find alternatives. And so I'm like, I'm going to find somebody on Facebook Marketplace. Maybe someone can build it. So I find someone who can build me the exact patio furniture that I want for a third of the price. And I was like, and I'm just going to buy the patio cushions from the manufacturer. So master plan, right? And so we get it. And Tyler's like, okay, you're going to order the cushions. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to order them. So I go to order them. And I'm like, hey, I just want to order cushions for this patio furniture. And she's like, okay, that's great. Um, I'll just need a proof of purchase. And I was like, oh, you see, I don't have a proof of purchase. Like I, uh, I have the exact same patio set. I just didn't buy it off you guys. And she's like, okay, yeah, no, we can't sell you any of the, you're like, you're just, sorry. So I was like, oh, great. Uh, so I'm looking high and low on the internet, looking for cushions that would fit this very specific patio furniture. And I can't find them anywhere. And so I'm like, I have to have them custom made. And so I look online to have them custom made. And just for the bottom cushions, it would have been the same price as just buying the original patio set. And that was just for the bottoms. And I was like, oh, no. And Tyler's like, you're going to have to figure that one out on yourself. So I'm like, no master plan coming to a crashing burn. And then I'm like, okay, this is my last thing. Okay, I'm just going to put it on Facebook Marketplace and see if I get a bite. And so someone messages me and she's like, hey, I want that patio furniture. And I was like, okay, just to be super transparent with you, like you're going to have to spend a lot of money on cushions. Like you cannot find cushions anywhere. And she was like, oh no, it's totally fine. I have someone that's going to make it for me. And I'm like, okay, take it off my chest. Thank the Lord it worked out. And so you guys might be thinking, why are you talking about patio furniture? Well, I'm talking about patio furniture because I didn't stop decorating my patio just because I failed that first time, right? I finished off. And so I think a lot of us today, or some of us today, I think that some, we have failures that we have in our back pockets, failures that maybe have stopped us in our tracks, failures that we know the Lord has forgiven us and, you know, we know all the things, but they're still like, we think about them and we cringe a little like, oh, right? 
And so today we're going to look at three different stories where God uses our failures to further his kingdom. And we're first going to see this in the life of the Israelites, right? The Israelites, and we're all like, oh man, yeah, they failed, right? So the Israelites were saved from Egypt. They watched the Red Sea part and their enemies demolished behind them, right? And then they're still like, um, it was better in Egypt because they had onions and leeks and this manna stuff. And then the Lord's like, okay, you want me? I'll give you some quail with the side of plague, right? Here you go. And then we get to Exodus 32, the golden calf, right? Moses is on Mount Sinai receiving from the Lord of how to live the, lead the Israelites. And the Israelites go up to Aaron and they're like, build this God. Um, this Moses guy, we don't know where he went, so we need a God to worship. And Aaron probably knew what savages these Israelites were because he was like, just bring me the gold. And so they bring gold to Aaron and he builds him a golden calf and they're worshiping this golden calf. And the Lord tells Moses and he's like, hey, you got to get down there. Like your people are worshiping a golden calf. And so Moses gets down the mountain and he's like, what are you doing? Like you stiff necked people, are you ever going to learn? And we think too, you're like, when is God's grace going to run dry for these people? But I think we too can relate with the Israelites, right? We see God do wonders in our lives and he can rescue us from despair. Yet in patience, we choose to turn to idols and worthless things when waiting on God doesn't line up with our timeline. And then we have golden calves. And sin was so deceptive to the Israelites that it told them that being a slave in Egypt was better than being free. And then we see in Exodus 34.10, again, the Lord says, I am making a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the Lord that I work that I, the Lord, will do for you. You see, in the Lord's loving kindness, he renews the covenant that he made with Israel because God's faithfulness wasn't dependent on his faithless people. And then we read next, it's my favorite part, in Exodus 35, we see what the Israelites did with this grace that was showed upon them. And in Exodus Exodus 35, verses 4 through 5, we read, And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service, and for the holy garments. And Exodus 36, 4 through 7, Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed too much." 
These were the same people who were just previously worshiping a golden calf. The same people who watched the Lord part the Red Sea and still doubted him were now the people that were bringing materials to build the dwelling place of God, the tabernacle. That is just mind-blowing to me. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. And I want us to focus in in um, Exodus 36, 4 through 7. And in that portion of scripture, we read that the children of Israel's hearts were willing and stirred to give what God was asking out of them. We don't read that they sat back and they're like, I was just just worshiping a golden calf. Like, and I, I, I doubted you so many times, God. We see that they were stirred and willing to give. And it says they gave in abundance. They gave it all. And I think too often... We let shame define us. I can't be used by what I've done. God can't use me here because my past. But in 2 Corinthians, we read, Praise to the Father um, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any troubles with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We speak from a place how God brought us through. And as I was writing my message, I was putting my testimony in, and then I was taking it back out. And then I was putting it back in, and then I was like, eh, I'm not going to share it. And I was writing my final draft, and it's like the spirit was like flashing lights. Like, Veronica, you're literally talking about how failures like are to further my kingdom. And like, why wouldn't you speak about what I've done in your life. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll see it. So the cliff notes of my testimony is I was raised a Jehovah witness. So my foundation on who God was, was hypocrisy and legalism and knowing that I could never sum up. So why even try? I was physically and sexually abused for many years of my life. My dad left me at a really young age, and after a series of events, I was removed by child welfare from my mother's care and placed with family. I found my identity in drugs and alcohol and men at a very young age, and when I found that the world was just going to offer me emptiness, I attempted suicide at 17. My family was told that I wasn't supposed to make it, and it's by God's grace that I'm here. Amen. Right. And it took really hard things still after that for the Lord to get my full attention. I had to walk through really deep hurts and seasons of rebellions and the Lord brought me to the very end of myself where now I was filling myself with his eternal love instead of temporal things. But I still, I was still so ashamed. I can't share what I've done. I was going to look at me weird and be like, oh, she's that girl, right? And so I was like, I, well, I just rather not. Like, I just try to stay away as much as I possibly could from sharing anything about myself. And then I married a pastor. And I was like, oh, okay. Right? But you don't have to marry a pastor for the Lord to use you, right? The, the Israelites here, they were just willing and stirred to do whatever God was asking out of us. And I think that speaks the same to each one of us today. 
You see, God always finds a way to redeem what we think is a lost cause. And I want us to look at Genesis chapter 20, another story where God uses our failures to further his kingdom. We know this Abraham and Sarah in their impatience. Out comes Ishmael, and we're like, and that was a mess. And then in Genesis 20, we enter the story of King Abimelech. So Abraham and Sarah, they like entering the kingdom, and King Abimelech's like, oh, who's that girl? And Abraham's like, oh, that's my sister. And she's like, oh, that's my brother, I guess, right? And so the Lord, he's like, well, I want her as my wife. And so the Lord comes to King Abimelech in his dream, and he's like, that's not his sister. Like, there's a curse on your kingdom. Like, you got to bring Abraham in, and he's going to pray for you guys, and then tell him to go away, right? So King Abimelech calls Abraham. He's like, dude, your sister? This your wife. And Abraham's like, well, like... Well, this is like my half-sister. She's like my dad's daughter, but not my mom's daughter. And he's like, dude, that's your, that's your wife. Take these things, pray for my, my kingdom so my, the women can have babies and leave. And so they leave. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that was a mess. That was a train wreck, right? And in the very next two verses after this event, we read God's faithfulness. In spite of faithless people. In Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. See, God remained the same when Abraham wavered. God's promises weren't based upon Abraham's performance. There was no stipulations. There was no contracts. There was just a promise given to Abraham, and he received it. And it was because God said he would at his set time, and the Lord never breaks his promises to his children. And as we come to a close, I want to take take a look at one last story of God using our failures to further his kingdom. We're going to turn to John 4. We have the woman at the well. Tyler totally bit that off me yesterday. I was like, I was like, I was doing the dishes, and he was like, so I think I'm going to talk about the woman well. I was like, I'm speaking about the woman at the well. And he was like, come on, babe. It works so well with my sermon. I was like, but babe, everyone's going to think that I bit it off you. And he's like, no, I'm speaking from a different place. Like, I'm not talking about what you're talking about. I was like, fine. Note to self, don't tell Tyler. (laughs) Uh, So here, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. And um, he asks for a drink. And she's like, I'm a Samaritan. And he's like, yes, I need a drink. And she's like, I'm a, you don't know that. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. And Jesus was like, well, if you knew who I was and you asked me your drink, then I'd give you living water. And you would never thirst again, right? And then we jumped into uh, verse 15 through 26. And we'll read that portion of scripture. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, 
Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. In verse 28 and 29 we read, And the woman left her water pot went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? In verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him, because the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. And here we read that the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she didn't let shame define her. She wasn't like, I had five, six husbands, and well, not my husband's really, and so I can't go out and testify. Right? It says, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Shame no longer owned her. She wasn't hiding her past. She was using it as a testimony to share. This is what Jesus did in me. And as we close today, and Rachel comes and she leads us in a time of worship, I want us to focus in on John four twenty-eight. It says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. And I want you to look at the water pot as a picture of sin, your old life, shame, whatever comes to mind in the moment right now that is weighing you down from the abundant life that Jesus has for you. We see that Samaritan woman didn't pick up her pot and then go out to the, the city and testify. We read that she left it at the well. I think maybe some of us today have been carrying our water pots of sin and shame. And Jesus is inviting you to come to the well and to leave it at his feet. So that you can then go out and testify what he's done in your life.